0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, November 5th. In today's news, Democrats in tough Senate races avoid mentioning their party affiliation. The House map continues to expand into red districts thanks to a green wave. And Florida is one of several governor's races tightening in the closing days before the midterms. But first, the big idea. The fierce battle for control of Congress and the nation's governorships has turned toward blatant and overtly racial attacks rarely seen in America, since the civil rights era of the 1960s. A new robocall going out to voters in Georgia features a voice impersonating Oprah Winfrey and calling Stacey Abrams, who is running to become the nation's first black woman elected governor, quote, a poor man's Aunt Jemima. In Florida, the Trump administration's Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, urged voters not to elect Andrew Gillum, who would be that state's first black governor, with a colloquialism widely seen as having racial connotations. This election, he said, is, quote, so cotton-picking important. And some Republicans suddenly scrambled following the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting to distance themselves from Representative Steve King, the Republican from Iowa. The moves come after King said that a far-right party in Austria with historic ties to the Nazis would be Republican were it in the United States. Other odious King comments over the years have drawn little criticism, but a lot of Republicans realize that they are endangered by this kind of rhetoric. The 2016 election confirmed that a potential president could run and win after stoking racism. Now, in their closing days, the midterms are shaping up as a demonstration of whether the entire Republican Party can succeed by following Trump's lead. By running so overtly on racially tinged messages, my colleague Matt Vizer reports in today's newspaper, the GOP is putting that explosive form of politics on the ballot. If Republicans maintain control of the House, the notion of running a campaign built on blunt race-based attacks on immigrants and minorities will have been validated. A loss, on the other hand, might prompt a number of thoughtful Republicans to call for rethinking the party's direction but that would collide with a sitting president who, if anything, relishes over-the-edge rhetoric. The stakes for the party's future, and the country's future, are enormous. Republicans now are an overwhelmingly white party, whereas Democrats represent a multi-ethnic coalition. The problem for the GOP is that the nation is moving swiftly in the direction of democratic demographics. Trump has hardly been cowed by the occasional pleas from GOP leaders to tone down his language. As the campaign is barreled toward its final hours, the president expanded his nativist appeals, proudly calling himself a nationalist and trying to drive his base out with threats about a caravan of Central Americans creeping toward the U.S. border with Mexico. After deploying thousands of U.S. troops to the southern border for a pre-election photo op, the president boasted at a rally Saturday afternoon, barbed wire used properly can be a beautiful sight. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly in Indiana has avoided mentioning his party affiliation at all as he fights for re-election. Donnelly has worked to distance himself from the far left of his party and embrace some of Trump's policies. His strategy is similar to that of several other red state Democrats, including Claire McCaskill in Missouri, who's tried to separate herself from parts of her party this past week by saying she's not one of those, quote, crazy Democrats. We're hearing similar things from Joe Manchin in West Virginia. During a recent debate, Donnelly said he was open to changing birthright citizenship, which is protected by the 14th Amendment, saying, We have to take a look at that. He's also been a steadfast supporter of a border wall with Mexico, and he voted in favor of funding it three times. He also criticized the Senate for failing to deliver the money for Trump's signature proposal. Barack Obama, interestingly enough, campaigned for Donnelly in Gary, Indiana on Sunday night. Meanwhile, John Ralston, a highly respected dean of the Nevada Press Corps, predicts that Republican Senator Dean Heller will probably lose his seat there based on early voting numbers. Heller had looked like a dead man walking for some time, but that race had tightened. And National Journal's Josh Kraschauer predicts that the Montana Senate race could become one of tomorrow night's biggest surprises. Democratic incumbent John Tester is facing off with Republican Matt Rosendale. There hasn't been very much quality polling there, and political operatives on both sides agree that Tester is probably narrowly ahead, but there are enough undecided voters to make it uncomfortably close for both parties. In his two successful Senate races, Tester won just 49% of the vote. With so much partisan polarization and many red state Democrats losing ground in the final weeks, it's not hard to see how Tester could end up falling short. Number two, Looking at the House side, small-dollar donations to Democratic campaigns have helped expand the battleground map deep into conservative strongholds. Democratic candidates, in a switch from past elections, have raised more money than Republicans in the midterms, particularly in small sums under $200. That's not as new. Strategists across the political spectrum point to the breakneck fundraising as a sign that Democrats are well-positioned to take control of the House this year. They're calling it a green wave, as in greenbacks. Politico reports that some top House Republicans now fear that Trump's singular focus on immigration in the final days of campaigning could cost them more seats because it's ginning up Democrats more than Republicans. Many of these exact same GOP operatives welcomed Trump's initial talk about the migrant caravan and border security two weeks ago, thinking that it would help them save some at-risk Republicans. But now they think Trump went overboard and that it will cost them dearly in suburban districts from Chicago to Minneapolis, Dallas, and Houston. Meanwhile, something interesting is happening in California. With Republicans holding about a half dozen vulnerable seats, Democrats believe their path to recapturing the House runs right through the Golden State. But Trump's support for delivering more water to farms in the state's Central Valley could help the GOP save two or three seats that otherwise would have flipped. For decades, farmers in the Central Valley have found themselves knotted in a tug-of-war, With coastal residents and environmentalists over how much of California's finite water supply should be divided among sating city dwellers, supplying habitat for river critters, and cultivating crops. Trump has come down squarely on the side of the farmers. Number three Democratic dreams of flipping as many as six Republican governorships are starting to dwindle as several races come down to the wire. Now, Democrats are especially confident they're going to defeat Illinois Republican Bruce Rauner, one of the nation's least popular governors and one of the nation's bluest states. They also believe they'll pick up the chief executive's offices in Michigan and New Mexico, which are held by retiring Republicans. But whether Democrats can make dramatic gains, perhaps even reaching parity with Republicans for governorships, will come down to a half-dozen races in states that form the backbone of Trump's surprise 2016 victory. Wisconsin and Iowa, for example, remain dead heats, they could go either way. GOP strategists and political observers say that the gubernatorial race has tightened significantly in Florida, where elections have been shaped by a year of natural and man-made Florida-based disasters. In the Panhandle, where Trump held a rally Saturday night, residents are still recovering from Hurricane Michael, which ravaged coastal communities in a military base. The center of the state has seen an influx of thousands of Puerto Ricans, potentially new voters, since Hurricane Maria devastated their island last year. And on both coasts, noxious and toxic red tide algae has bloomed, while green algae has choked inland waters. What voters decide on this stew of issues and events will have significant consequences on Tuesday when Andrew Gillum faces Ron DeSantis, a former Republican congressman. It will also have implications for the 2020 presidential election. If Trump can't win Florida, he cannot get re-elected. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, November 5th. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow, Election Day.